You know what? I would go so far as to say wrestling fans love that song more than Alice in Chains fans do. I really do. Like, can you think of a time when you heard that song and you didn't think Tommy Dreamer was coming to the ring? It just embedded my psyche now. It really is. Hey, everybody. This is Greg Hernandez, and it is the Ninja Nerd Warrior Weekend Wrestling WrestleMania Edition. That is right. It is WrestleMania weekend, and oh, we day one is in the books. Is I'm now recording this on Sunday at 1.30. Day one is in the books, and holy shit. There we had some we had some great parts. We had some parts that were the drizzling shits, and we had some that was just funny as hell. Oh my god. Alright, for one thing, I'm gonna get this off my chest. Maybe I'm an idiot, but WWE advertised a 4 p.m. start time, all right? 4 p.m. start time, and like a dumb shit, I'm sitting there watching the Peacock Network at 4 o'clock. No. No, there was nothing on it for. You know what there was? It was a fucking kickoff show. Explain this to me. I want this explained to me. You have not had a live crowd, and they kept pushing this shit. You have not had a live crowd in one year, one month, and one day. So, we go into Mania, we have a live crowd. What the fuck was the kickoff show for? Why the fuck? Alright, okay, let me, I think I'm getting ahead of myself. I'm definitely getting ahead of myself. For those fans who are, let's say, less than 25 years old, the reason for the kickoff show was back when they, we had pay-per-view. And what would happen is the pay-per-view companies would give you the kickoff show for free, hoping that we would get some last-minute buys for that, for that pay-per-view. All right? It was all about the money. Why the fuck is there a kickoff show on a streaming service I'm already subscribed to, or else I wouldn't be watching the kickoff show in the first fucking place? So needless to say, I was a little angry. I was a little bit angry because I'm going, you know what? It's WrestleMania. This is the first live WWE event in front of a crowd in over a year. One year, one month, and one day because they kept fucking pushing it. So I'm ready to turn on WrestleMania and watch some fucking wrestling. No. No. I get five talking heads. I get a shitload of video packages. I get to watch everybody who's pointed at the WrestleMania sign for the last four fucking months. And I got Peacock commercials. I got fucking Peacock commercials. Again, I got commercials for a streaming service that I have to be subscribed to to see the fucking commercials. Make any sense? Fuck no, it doesn't. So needless to say, that first hour, I was a little pissed. I was a little pissed off because you said 4 p.m. start time. No, 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 no. You should have said 4 p.m. countdown until we start at 5. That's, that's how that shit should have been advertised. So I sat there like an abused wife, just fucking taking it. Want to leave, can't leave. I have to sit there and just endure this kickoff show right then we get the, the cold open we get that video package we get the same guy that ripped off uh johnny depp last year remember the guy last year that just did this horrible captain jack sparrow impression 
they brought him back. So we start the cold open, and Captain Jack Sparrow is welcoming us to WrestleMania, and he's hyping all this shit up. And then we see Vince McMahon. He hobbled his decrepit ass onto the, onto the stage. We have the entire roster behind him. That was seriously, I, I swear, that was like 70 people back there. All right? And you have, what the hell was her name? Singing America the Beautiful. I have no idea. Look it up. All I know was she was out there singing America the Beautiful and she's in this tight leather catsuit and her boobs were all like, I want to break free. I want to break free. We then cut back to Vince McMahon who starts cutting a promo on the crowd talking about we've missed you and you have been what's, you are what's been missing in this company and he welcomes us back to WrestleMania. We start the video package for Bobby Lashley and Drew McIntyre, and oh my god, I missed, I missed WrestleMania video packages. I really did. Holy shit. Whoever did these video packages, we all know it's Jeremy Borash. Killing it! Fucking killing it! So, you get me hyped up, you show me this video package for Lashley and for McIntyre, and two guys who are going to kick the shit out of each other, and we cover to Michael Cole who tells us, yeah, we're getting a severe weather warning, and um, we're, uh, we have to seek shelter because there's rain and there's lightning and there's thunder and we might die. It was at this point, I laughed my ass off. I fucking died because I'm just going, wait, we have not had crowds in one year, one month, and one day. We have had to put up with a full year of empty building matches and the Thunderdome. And then I had to sit through an hour pre-show, kickoff show, whatever the hell they call it. And then we get America the Beautiful. We get Vince McMahon cutting his Vince McMahon promo and nothing. Nothing. It was at this point I went, does Tony Khan control the weather? Because this is funny as shit. Oh my, I fucking died. I laughed my ass off. So we then had a 40-minute rain delay. We had a 40-minute rain delay, which this was just the production team going, fuck, throw anybody in front of the camera. Just fucking go. We get a promo from The New Day who you don't appreciate how fucking good The New Day is. Until you know for a fact these guys just got thrown in front of a camera and went, talk. Because these guys killed it. These guys destroyed it. It was awesome. And then we had promos from Bobby Lashley. And then he gets interrupted by Drew McIntyre. So now all of a sudden it's an episode of Raw. And we had to open up with a talkie segment. And I'm dying we had a we had a promo by Shane McMahon. Shane's not good on scripted promos, and you just kicked him out in front of a camera and said, go. As a matter of fact, I think Shane McMahon was talking when MVP came in to save his ass, and then Shane just bails. Shane's like, ah, you got this, and takes off. So MVP cuts a promo. Here comes Bobby Lashley, and then we got Drew McIntyre. Oh, I, I'm dying. I am laughing so hard. 
because it's not a wrestling show until at least 10 things go wrong, folks. Oh, God, I, I laughed my ass off. So anyway, we're going to fast forward through the 40 minute uh, rain delay and we start WrestleMania with your hosts. We started with Titus O'Neil, who is from Tampa, I guess. I did not know that. But he's from Tampa, so he gets a giant hometown reaction. It's then when they get a shot of the crowd and I realized, oh, oh, we're still doing the, the cheers and the booze, the, the recorded cheers and booze, because there's nobody in their seats. They're all still in the concourse. Because they were getting rained on, and there was lightning, and nobody wanted to die. So, those people are all... There's nobody in their seats, so who the fuck is cheering for Titus O'Neil? And then he, in, he introduces Hulk Hogan. And whoever was in control of the cheer button, he just leaned on that motherfucker. He leaned on that motherfucker because Hogan got booed out of the building. There are different videos on Twitter right now of the live reaction when Hogan got introduced. Those people booed the shit out of him. But the, everyone in the production truck, they sweetened that crowd so much that Hogan had to go get one of his insulin shots. It was, oh, it was bad. It was really bad. But I'm still enjoying this. So we have to uh, revisit the Bobby Lashley, Drew McIntyre video package all over again. So now I'm hyped back up. This match finally happens. Drew comes out. Bobby comes out. And, all right. I was seeing some kind of criticism online. Like, why is this going on first? And Sasha and uh, Bianca Belair are closing the show. Honestly, honestly, that was a good call. Here's why. As we keep saying, WWE has been without a crowd for one year, one month, and one day. So the first match was probably going to get the loudest pop of the weekend. These people are just thrilled to be watching live wrestling. Shit didn't happen that way, though. <laughs> These poor people got rained on for hours. They got rained on for hours. They had to evacuate the building and hang out in the hallways and the concourses and shit. So by the time this match got to the ring, you just look at the crowd and they're just like, damn it, it's about time. I can't say they didn't give a shit, but these people were miserable and I felt for each and every one of them. But this match, holy shit. These were just two big sons of bitches beating the shit out of each other and it was fantastic. They did this thing, oh my god, they did this amazing thing where the psychology on this, Drew goes after Bobby's left arm. Like, Bobby goes, of course we gotta have the stupid, uh, as I punch my desk, speaking of stupid, um, we have to have the stupid heel spot where he goes running and the baby face moves and the heel runs his shoulder in the post. You see it about 14 times on any any given show. But this one actually led somewhere, and that's what made it genius. Bobby goes for the shoulder, Drew moves, Bobby puts his shoulder into the post, and Drew McIntyre begins to work his left arm the whole match. And he just keeps going back to that left arm, going back to that left arm. And then later on, you have a false finish where Drew McIntyre locks Bobby Lashley in a Kimura. 
And for a split second, I'm going, all right, it was already assumed. We already knew Drew McIntyre was going over, right? That was pretty much the foregone conclusion because Drew didn't get his win in front of a crowd last year, so we're going to give it to him this year. But I'm going, is Drew going to tap out Bobby Lashley? Like, we've never seen Drew tap out anybody. Drew's not a submission guy. But he's got this Kimura on Bobby Lashley, and I'm going, are you seriously, not only are you jobbing out the almighty Bobby Lashley, but you're jobbing out the trained MMA fighter to a submission? Really? And then Lashley got the ropes, and I felt fucking stupid. Because I got worked. Fucking hell, folks. I got worked. And you know what? I loved it. Absolutely loved it. They worked me so well. I was like, oh, my God, that was great. All right. Now, we're going to cut to the end because Lashley kept going for the full Nelson. He kept going for the Hurt Lock. And Drew kept avoiding it. Drew kept getting out of it. Genius. They kept teasing it and teasing it. And they kept building up that tension. So... Toward the finish, when Bobby actually locks the Hurt Lock on, I'm going, oh, really? Are, are we putting Bobby over? What the fuck? Wait, and then it dawns on me. They've been working, Drew's been working Bobby Lashley's left arm this whole time. So Drew can very easily break the full Nelson. You still protect Bobby, Drew will be the first person to ever escape the Hurt Lock, but you still protect Bobby in the sense that you've been working on his arm. So you're not... Holy shit, which way is this match going? At the end, I'm fucking getting worked all to shit, and I'm loving it. And then Drew starts teasing, breaking the Hurt Lock, and he starts teasing it, and he's teasing it. I'm going, okay, here we go, here we go. And then Drew passed the fuck out. (laughs) Referee stops the match. Your winner and still WWE Heavyweight Champion, Bobby Lashley. And I just went, A, great fucking match. B, you just punked out all these people who assume Drew McIntyre was going over for the title because he didn't get it in front of a crowd last year. Oh my God, that was great. That was absolutely, oh my, I needed a cigarette after that match. It was fucking awesome. So how do you follow that match? With this, remember I said drizzling shits? This, this is what I was talking about. A women's tag team turmoil match that involved Naomi and Lana, Carmella and Billy Kay, the Riot Squad, Mandy and Dana, and Natalia and Tamina. Now, this, it was a gauntlet match, folks. WWE likes to throw fancy names onto their matches, but it was a fucking gauntlet. It started out with, I don't know who started out with. Anyway, this match was shit. This match was absolute shit. They, at least the first two eliminations were quick. It was just in, out, done. Then you had Mandy and Dana come to the ring. And as they're walking down the... Fucking 70 yard WrestleMania ramp. Dana slides and lands on her ass. <laughs> Poor Dana. Remember when you were in high school, college, you're at that party? 
And you see that one chick just trip and fall into the pool. Remember how embarrassing that was in front of like 20 people? Dana fell on her ass on the ramp at WrestleMania. Now, not making fun of Dana because goddammit, Mr. Perfect tripped on his way to the ring at WrestleMania 5. So did Bushwhacker Butch. Shit happens. What are you going to do about it? Anyway, uh, they get in the ring, and the Riot Squad's already in there. They job out to the Riot Squad. Apparently, there was a wardrobe malfunction because my screen went black for like half a second. And I went, oh, what is this bullshit? Because I'm already pissed off at Peacock. The fact that I can't pause or rewind already pisses me off. So when the screen goes black for half a second and then comes back, I'm like, okay, good. I was about to be pissed, but now I'm all right. And then later on, I see on Twitter, no, Dana's nipples hanging out. So let me get this straight. Dana slips and lands on her ass on the ramp on the way to the ring and then has a titty pop out. That's a shitty day, folks. That, oh my God. Anyway, anyway, this match was won by Natalia Tamina. They go on to face uh, Nia Jax and Shayna Baszler tomorrow. It, 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 you missed nothing. It sucked. We follow that up with Seth Rollins and Cesaro. Holy shit. This was awesome. I even have in my notes, there's no way this could be bad, right? Correct. It was not. It was awesome. This was great. And now, the premise for this match, stupid as shit. It is. The whole premise for this match, the whole reason these guys are fighting is because... Rollins is pissed that Cesaro swung him in the giant swing. All right. That's, I guess. So Rollins vows he will never swing me again, which means he's swinging you on every fucking show. All right. This match was fan-fucking-tastic. Oh, my God. And I swear that... Cesaro's entire offense is coming out of like the 1930s because not only is he doing a giant swing, he's doing a no hands airplane spin that they, I've never, okay, I've seen the move. I've never heard it referred to as the UFO. I saw the move in like some old like fucking Hackenschmidt videos, but I've never heard that it was called the UFO. So for any of you who've never seen this move, Cesaro picks you up in a torture rack position. He then begins to spin around like an airplane spin, except you're facing up instead of facing down like you would normally be facing on, a, on an airplane spin. And then Cesaro just puts his hands on his hips and keeps spinning. And somehow the guy does not fly off his fucking shoulders and die. I thought this was awesome. This was great. There was one point, there was one point in the match where Rollins hit Cesaro in the back of the head with an elbow. And I'm talking full on MMA, just he hits this guy in the brainstem with this like Johnny Bones Jones elbow. And I'm just like, oh, you stiff motherfucker. Oh, it looked like it sucked. Cesaro almost swallowed his mouthpiece. But finish this match. Cesaro goes over with that UFO spin into a giant spin. Neutralizer. Cesaro wins his first singles match at WrestleMania. I was unaware of this. Man has never 
had a singles match at WrestleMania. Not only did he have his first one, he went over in it too. So that was cool as shit. Next up was the most back-assword match. It was the New Day against AJ and Olmos for the Tag Team Championship. Now, when I say back-assword, the psychology on this, AJ and Olmos are the, are the heels, right? So shouldn't the heels double-team one of the babyfaces Get the heat on him so that when that babyface makes the hot tag, the crowd goes nuts, right? That's, that's wrestling school 101. That's so, but what they did here was AJ starts the match, almost is outside the ring. New Day is double teaming the shit out of AJ, and AJ's the valiant fighting babyface trying to make the tag to his partner. And I'm going, wait, who the fuck are the baby faces and who are the heels in this match? And then sure as shit, AJ, he's crawling, he's fighting, and he makes the tag. And this crowd came unglued. As soon as almost stepped his big ass over that top rope, this crowd lost their shit. And I went, do I have a tumor? What the fuck is going on? Because... Normally, when you work the psychology backwards, the crowd goes, wait, what? And the crowd has just lost his shit. No, for some reason, the crowd was totally on board. AJ makes the tag to almost. This crowd is on fire. Almost came in and beat the living shit out of the New Day by, him, by himself. AJ actually does a phenomenal forearm, springboards onto the top rope, jumps onto almost his shoulders, jumps off almost his shoulders and forearms uh, Xavier, who then bumps and powders outside the ring. Almost lifts up Kofi Kingston like he was a child. You ever pick up a toddler and you do like one hand under each armpit and you lift him up? That's what almost did. He lifted up Kofi Kingston, and I can't believe I'm going to say this, slams him down like the great Kali did. Almost has stolen the great Kali's finisher. Oh, shit. Yeah. Um, Wrestling's starting to pass me by, folks. AJ and Almost were the heels, working babyface psychology, Almost steals the Great Collie's finish. Great Collie went to the Hall of Fame this weekend. What the fuck is going on? Seriously, explain it to me. I want it explained to me now. The next match was the Shane McMahon Braun Strowman battle for the stupid. That's that's what this was because Braun is coming to the ring, and Michael Cole says. Braun is fighting this match for everyone that's ever been called stupid. Wait, Braun Strowman is the hero of the stupid? Is that... This is the story we're telling. Really? Okay. And then something happened that I laughed so hard, I almost pissed myself. Watching Mania, sitting on the couch... 
my girlfriend is not, she could give two shits about this. Everyone on TV could be on fire. She couldn't care less. Not a wrestling fan. But she looks up during Braun's entrance and says, he really is a mouth breather, isn't he? (laughs) I love this woman. I really do. (laughs) Because maybe it's just me, but I've never noticed that Braun Strowman is the textbook definition of a mouth breather. Oh my God, he really is. I, I had to stop. I just had to stop. I had to walk away because I was in tears. I was laughing so fucking hard. Oh my God. So this match starts. And during the intro, Elias and Jackson Riker jump Braun Strowman with steel chairs outside the ring, beat the shit out of him, throw him inside. So now Braun's starting at a disadvantage. So this whole thing fucking makes sense. Shane's throwing all of the, you know, his stiffest fucking punches and kicks that Seth Petrozelli taught him. And then there was one spot where Braun is down in the corner. Shane goes to the opposite corner, so you know what's happening. Shane's going for the Van Terminator, but Braun sells out of the corner and crawls out, and he probably gets a good, like, five feet closer Shane McMahon attempts to go coast to coast and he crash landed somewhere in Nevada because, oh my God, he got like three fourths of the way across this ring. And if Braun hadn't sold out, this could have been embarrassing. I did realize how brilliant this was because going into the match, Shane McMahon said, yeah, I I can't do the whole length of the ring anymore. You're going to need to sell out of that corner. And so again, this, it was good psychology. I will say that. The finish of this match was great because it's escape the cage rules. It's pinfall submission, escape the cage rules. Shane's going over the top of the cage. He actually makes it over the top and he's on the other side of the cage. And Braun walks up, sticks his fingers through the cage and grabs Shane McMahon's hand. So he's kind of like clamped onto Shane McMahon's hand on this cage With his other hand, he grabs the chain link and rips it off the frame of the cage. Grabs Shane by the shirt and pulls him through the cage. You know what? I thought that was cool as shit. That was... There's very few times you can actually throw something at a a 30-year wrestling fan that they haven't seen before. That was one of them. The finish to this match, though... Oh my God, this finish was great because Braun drags Shane up to the top of the cage. They're both on the top of the cage because you knew Shane McMahon was going to fall off of something fucking high. Braun grabs him by the shirt, gets in his face and yells, Who's stupid now? Which is something that a stupid guy would yell. He really would. And then Braun Strowman, like King Kong, proceeds to throw Shane McMahon off the top of the Empire State Building. He throws him off the top of this fucking cage. Shane, a 52-year-old man, Shane gets tossed off the top of this cage, does a full 
270 degree rotation landing flat on his back in the middle of the ring. I'm like, that was pretty. That was so pretty. It had to suck. I'm starting to realize why Shane only wrestles once a year, but goddammit, he does it to himself. But, oh, it was fantastic. And Braun comes down. Now, you have just thrown this man off the top of a 15-foot-high steel cage. Do you pin him? Of course not. Of course you don't pin him. Because Braun Strowman has to get his shit in. See, that's something that's something stupid people do on the indies. If you'd ever worked the indies, you'd have fucking known that. Anyway, running power slam, Braun over, one, two, three. Dear God, I hope this storyline's over with. We then get to the match that I have a lot of mixed feelings about. I really do. This is the Bad Bunny Damian Priest match against Miz and Morrison. Miz and Morrison's intro included 30 people in bunny costumes hopping to the ring. And these were discount bunny costumes because like three of them were missing an ear. Damian Priest gets his entrance. He walks down to the ring. And apparently Bad Bunny got Triple H's entrance because Triple H decided not to work Mania this year. This fucking guy is standing on top of the trailer of an 18-wheeler and this diesel truck is driving into Raymond James Stadium. This fucking guy is standing on top of the trailer like Morpheus in Matrix Reloaded. And somehow they're running over some shit that's just throwing fire and sparks and shit. This was a badass entrance. I'm not going to lie. This was a fucking great entrance, but I'm going, this, this is the guy that's going to be on tour next year, right? Like... Bad Bunny's not a full-time, not a full-time member of the roster, right? Am, am I? Well, that's kind of a waste of an entrance. Oh, it got worse. It got so much worse. All right, what have I said about celebrities working wrestling matches? I am not a fan. Because what you're saying, the story you're telling, is that you don't need to train for years that working your way up through the indies is basically meaningless and fucking stupid because apparently any celebrity can walk off the set of a movie or put their tour on hold and come and have a, a fucking wrestling match. So I'm not a fan because it undermines everyone else on your roster. It really does, okay? I want to say Stephen Amell was probably the best one that did it. Stephen Amell got his ass kicked for the entire match, he basically, he took the heat, and then during the big comeback, he tagged out to, I can't even remember who he was tagging with at the time, and then Stephen Amell did a top rope plancha onto the, onto the uh, gold dust and stardust on the floor. That was it. He had one spot. Bad Bunny ran the table in this match. Okay, first off, they got off to a rough start because, and I'm going to say this, Miz and Morrison worked their asses off to make this guy look like a million bucks. Oh my God. But there's only so much shit you can do because Bad Bunny, not an athlete. He, he's clearly not an athlete. 
This fucking guy hit a Canadian destroyer in the match. Hits a Canadian destroyer. But two minutes into the match, when Miz grabs him by the head and goes to throw him through the ropes to the floor, this fucking guy runs face first into the second rope. Like, ate the rope. So, you know what? Bad Bunny worked his ass off. And I'm not going to belittle all of the training and preparation he did for this match, because he clearly did a lot. I want to find the agent who put this match together and punch him in the neck. Because Bad Bunny should not have taken 70% of this fucking match. He just shouldn't have. All right? You have Damian Priest, who is on the, on the apron as basically a hood ornament. Because Damian Priest didn't do a whole lot in this fucking match. But all in all, it was a good match. Like I said, I just, I'm not a big fan of celebrities just walking into the world of wrestling and telling the story that anybody can do this shit. Not a fan. The main event of WrestleMania Day 1, and holy shit, you could not have had a better main event for this show. Sasha Banks defending her women's championship against Bianca Belair, and this started superstar video package. Superstar. This, oh, these ladies looked like fucking icons. Oh my god. We got the video package, we got the intros, we got the ring introductions, and at this point, this crowd is hot at this point. This crowd is, oh my god, these guys are on fire, and you have Bianca Belair and Sasha Banks facing off, they're getting ready to tie up, and Bianca can't help it. She can't help it. She looks up in the crowd, and she cracks, and you can see her start to cry, And at that point, you're like, you know what? This is fucking real. The emotion is fucking real. And Bianca couldn't help herself. And it was, it only lasted maybe a second or two. It was only a second or two. And Bianca pulled her shit together. And these women put on a clinic. This was great. There was... The story of this match was that Sasha Banks is what she always says she is. She's been the boss of the women's division since day one. And Bianca Belair is the rookie. And she keeps saying that, yeah, you know what? Bianca might be great someday, but today it's Sasha Banks. And that's how they work this match. They w- Bianca looked fantastic in her shine, in her comebacks. Everything was just so awesome awesome but when Sasha got the heat Sasha worked that shit over like bitch this is my world you stepped into my world now and it was oh my god I wanted to hate Sasha Banks but I couldn't the story of this was amazing and then there was the finish the finish was holy shit alright this whole match Sasha's been working Bianca's braid. She's been pulling her around by the braid. She's been choking her out. That has to be like a four foot braid, right? That's like four feet. All right. So, and I've always wondered if you're in the ring with somebody that has a four foot braid coming out of the top of their head, why don't you just choke the shit out of them with it? Why don't you beat them with it? Sasha stole my idea because that's what she did. She choked 
uh, Bianca out with this. She tied the braid to the bottom rope. She, oh, it was, okay. Anyway, I'm getting, I'm getting too excited. The end of this match had Bianca picking up Sasha Banks' torture rack position, going for the KOD. She flips Sasha over. Sasha lands on her feet, but has a hold of this braid. And these two are doing a tug of war for Bianca's hair. Yeah, I just said that sentence. Bianca rips the braid away from Sasha. Sasha comes running in for like a clothesline or something. And Bianca Belair whips Sasha Banks across the ribs with this braid. The fucking smack. Oh my God. The smack. I thought... I thought this was an, I thought this was a sound effect. I seriously thought this had been a sound effect and somebody in the truck had had added this. No, this thing left like an 18-inch welt on Sasha Banks's ribs. Bianca just swung this braid, just Mark McGuire'd her across the ribs with this fucking braid and you just hear this Sasha starts selling her ribs. Bianca picks her up. KOD, one, two, three, new women's champion. And the only thing, the only thing that made this, that didn't make this perfect, Michael Cole fucked up the call. Michael Cole, you knuckle-dragging troglodyte. You fucking dipshit. Oh my. All right. It's been well known for close to two decades now that Michael Cole sucks at his job. All right? Sucks at his job. You know what? I- I'm just going to let you hear it, folks. Just listen to this and tell me how badly Michael Cole fucked up this call. Bank stop. KOD. No way. It's a death. No way. It's a banks. And a kick out. A kick out by Sasha. No. For those of you that missed it, Michael Cole said, and a kick out, a kick out by Sasha Banks. Sasha Banks didn't kick out. Sasha Banks took the KOD, sold it like a dead woman, one, two, three, never fucking moved, and Michael Cole said, a kick out by Sasha Banks. Bro, you just... Now, this takes nothing away from Bianca Belair's win. I'm going to say that. I'm going to say Bianca Belair, amazing accomplishment. This crowd lost its shit. You heard it in the clip. Lost its shit when she got the three count, but leave it to Michael Cole to wipe his ass with the finish of this match. Oh, my God, you fucking moron. (sighs) Dumb shit. Now, I am going to say this. Before I before I cut this off and go watch day two, I'm going to say this. I saw this on Twitter. Somebody commented, if Shawn Michaels is Mr. WrestleMania, who is Miss WrestleMania? And I'm going to say this right now. I answered. I, I, I responded and I said, you know what? I don't think the women have gotten enough opportunity to have a Miss WrestleMania yet. All right? And hear me out on this. Shawn Michaels didn't become Mr. WrestleMania off two or three matches. Shawn Michaels became Mr. WrestleMania by having five-star matches with 
Kurt Angle, John Cena, Triple H, Undertaker. He had the best match on the show with top talent. So, I don't think the women have been given enough spotlight to have a Miss WrestleMania yet. However, I do believe the front runner for Miss WrestleMania has to be Sasha Banks. I am not a giant Sasha fan. Um, let me let me rephrase. I'm not one of these stalkers that thinks Sasha Banks walks on water. I think she's talented as shit. I think she, nobody works harder. Well, all right. Very few people work harder than her in the ring. I think her, her promos are absolute shit. <laughs> Seriously, you don't listen to that and it's like an ice pick in your ears? <laughs> but honestly, work rate alone, match quality alone, I think she would be the front runner for Miss WrestleMania because she is... Okay, and, and this got brought up too when I said that. Somebody said, you do realize she's 0-6 at WrestleMania, right? Well, Undertaker had a streak. This is Sasha Banks' streak. And 0-7 after this year. But Shawn Michaels is Mr. WrestleMania, and his first WrestleMania was WrestleMania 5 in a tag match against the Rockers, against the Twin Towers. Guess who won? Wasn't the Rockers. Shawn Michaels has done the job at Mania for Triple H, John Cena, Kurt Angle, Undertaker twice. He jobbed out to Diesel. You know that ladder match with Razor Ramon that everyone raves about? It was the greatest ladder match of all times? Yeah, Sean lost that one. He, he lost that one and had to go to SummerSlam to get his win back. All right? If you look at Shawn Michaels' WrestleMania win-loss record, it's not great. But did he steal the show almost every goddamn time? Fuck yes, he did. So I don't care if, if Sasha Banks is 0-7 at WrestleMania. Busted her ass and her matches started to steal the show. So my opinion, she could very well be the frontrunner for Miss WrestleMania. Anyway, that is my long-winded rant. I am going to put this on hold and I'm going to go watch uh, day two. I'll be back in a bit. All right, folks, day two is in the books. And you know what? Not as good as day one. I'm, I'm just going to go out on a limb and say day one was better. Um, crowd energy-wise, at least. On the upside, there was no hurricane that came through Florida, so there was no rain delays and severe uh, thunderstorm warnings, anything like that. We did open the show with Titus O'Neil and Hulk Hogan dressed like fucking pirates. I don't know why you saved this for the second day. Um, maybe because you thought if you did it on day one, nobody would come back for day two, but... These fucking guys were dressed like pirates and Titus O'Neil actually got a R matey reference out. Okay. First match out of the gate was Randy Orton versus the fiend, because you know what? Let's get this fucker over with. We, there is no reason for this match. This is ridiculous. Let me see if I can recap this briefly. Randy Orton set the fiend on fire. I mean, seriously, just lit him up like a meth lab. Just boom. So he disappears for a while. 
Alexa Bliss is possessed by the spirit of the fiend. She proceeds to torment Randy, makes Randy puke up some fucking black ooze. She pukes up black ooze. We even got evil Randy Orton. Remember evil Randy Orton that that just showed up one week and never saw him again? Yeah, we got demon Randy Orton. And then, at a pay-per-view a month ago, the Fiend just comes back. He's all melted and, and singed and shit. He's the deep-fried Fiend. That's, that's basically what he is. And now we have a wrestling match at WrestleMania because Randy Orton set the Fiend on fire. Probably the dumbest storyline since Papa Shango. But, alright. Randy comes to the ring, no big shit. And then, Alexa Bliss comes down to the ring to the Firefly Funhouse theme song. She's dressed in this gigantic, like, doll outfit. So you knew something was underneath. She had something dressed underneath. She comes down, and she plays with her gigantic box at ringside in front of everybody. No, seriously, there was a gigantic box. It was a fucking jack-in-the-box with a crank. And she had to come down and crank her box. That's basically what happened. And then the Fiend comes out of... Oh, no, no, first, first, we got some awesome CGI. Like, like Zack Snyder-level CGI of the deep-fried Fiend just morphing back into normal Fiend. Like nothing. And then, like I said, Alexa comes down and cranks her box. And the fiend just rises out of the top of the top of the box. Now, we got a bit of a pop when the crowd saw the fiend. Other than that, these people did not give a shit. They couldn't care less. It was fantastic. Basically, the whole theme of this match is Randy took the entire match. The Fiend sold nothing. Randy hit him with everything, and he just stood back up. Nothing. Got the mandible claw on Randy twice. Going for Sister Abigail. All of a sudden, the four corner post, like Kane's pyro, goes off. And Alexa Bliss is sitting on top of the giant jack-in-the-box. She has now changed her clothes. She actually looks like Enchantress from uh, Suicide Squad. And she has a crown on that is just leaking black shit all over her face. The Fiend just looks at her like, what the fuck are you doing? Randy Orton spins him around, RKO, 1-2-3, matches over. These people booed the shit out of this. They did. And then all of a sudden, lights go out. Ring is empty. Giant Jack in the Box, still at ringside. Here's how dumb this was. As the... As the camera is panning over this is before the match as the camera's panning over the ring you see a door on the side on the back of the box like plain as day a fucking door on the box i'm like well that just killed all the magic didn't it the next match was the women's tag team championship uh nia jack Shayna baszler against tamina and natalia who won the title shot last night the only fun part of this was you just had a headbutt battle between Naya and Tamina, where you could clearly hear Naya say, lay that shit in. That, yeah, that was it. 
Finishes the match. Natalia gets a sharpshooter. Baszler run in, runs in, puts the choke on her. I have no idea who's legal. Ref calls for the bell. Jackson Baszler retain their fucking titles. Next matchup was the Sami Zayn Kevin Owens match. You know what? This was a damn good match. This okay. Number one, it's no secret these guys know each other. They've been friends twenty years. They've worked the Indies. They've worked ROH. These guys know their shit. And they are not afraid to beat the shit out of each other. You know what? You always hit your friends the hardest. You really do. At one point, Sami Zayn gives Kevin Owens a brain buster just right on, right on the ring apron. Just, oh my god, this looked sick. This was ridiculous. Michael Cole, not to be outdone by his streak of incompetence yesterday, uh, starts calling the wrong moves. Sami Zayn hits a Michinoku driver on Kevin Owens. Michael Cole calls it a blue thunderbomb. And I love that Corey Graves just kind of with the diving save. Um, that was a Michinoku driver. Cole, I'm just going to save you from the internet. To which Cole snarky, snarkily says, yeah, I got enough of that yesterday. Because you fucked up the finish, you asshole. That's why. You deserved every bit of it, you dipshit. Owens hits the stunner to win. This was a really good match. This was actually the first match of the night that the crowd actually seemed to give a shit about. Because, you know what, like I said, they sweetened the crowd all to shit. And in the first match, in the uh, Randy Orton-Fiend match, they did a really good job of, you could hear cheering and you could hear booing, but they would not put the camera on the crowd long enough for you to see that the crowd's sitting there on their phones. It was just in real brief glimpses. You could see, like, they were bored as shit. They were just sitting there fucking tweeting and shit. Yeah, they didn't give a shit. In this match, these people were actually up. They were excited. This was good. This was really good. Did I mention Logan Paul was there with his magnificent new millennial mullet? Yeah, he was there. He took a stunner from Kevin Owens. You know what? He actually took the best stunner I've ever seen. Owens grabs him, kick, kick to the gut, grabs him, drops down for the stunner. Logan manages to go head first, bounce his throat off of Kevin Owens' shoulder, and then turn in midair. His fucking feet didn't touch the ground. You know what? Respect. I will say respect. That was, that was pretty damn awesome. It was at this point in the night that champions just started falling like crazy. Oh my god. Next match we had was Riddle against Sheamus. And these guys beat the shit out of each other for the, for the U.S. heavyweight title. There was this spot in the match. I'm, I'm surprised nobody died. They're up on the top. Sheamus is, is straddling the turnbuckle. Knees on the inside. That's going to become important here in a second. I have no idea what they were going for. But Sheamus grabs Riddle's left wrist, pulls it over, sets him up for the white noise, and he stands up on the middle turnbuckle. It's at this point Sheamus realizes, oh, shit. Um, yeah, I can't just drop because my feet are on the outside of the ropes instead of being on the inside. So he attempts to put one foot on the turnbuckle, stand up, and drop from there. This fucking guy lost his balance. Riddle is over his shoulder, just ass to Jesus, head pointed straight at the ground. 
and Seamus stands up, starts to fall, and Riddle's life flashed before my eyes. I seriously thought he was going to fucking dump this guy on his neck and head outside the ring. Seamus actually manages to... He manages to, to save it, falls inside the ring, lands on his feet, and just drops Riddle. This crowd started booing like crazy. They wanted to see somebody die. You sick fucks. Oh my god. I do have to say the finish of this match was great because Riddle takes off running, goes for a... Basically goes for a, a lion salt. He goes for Chris Jericho's lion salt, springs off the middle rope, and as he's rotating backwards and upside down, Sheamus bro kicks this fucking guy just right in the mouth. Riddle's face exploded. He hits him right in the mouth, covers him, one, two, three, Sheamus, new U.S. heavyweight champion, and Riddle is outside just bleeding from his mouth and what looked like pouting. Oh my god, this was this is a really good finish. I will say that. From here, we have a Nigerian drum match between Big E and Apollo Crews for the for the Intercontinental title. Now, what is a Nigerian drum match, you ask? No idea. No fucking clue. I thought it was funny as shit because last weekend you had, or sometime last week, they had Big E on Busted Open Radio with Dave LaGreca and Mark Henry, and they asked him, Big E, what is a Nigerian drum match? And all you heard was laughter, and Big E goes, I have no idea what this match is. (laughs) Good to know WWE will sign a match, promote a match, before they thought of the rules for said match. That's genius. Absolute genius. This is another one where these guys, oh my god, beat the shit out of each other. There was a spot. Apollo pulls the, the, pulls the ring steps apart. Because you know how there's two layers to it. He pulls the top layer off, throws it to the side. He drags the middle, the, the lower part to the middle of the ring... On the floor, still outside the ring, but it's the middle, and he's going to drop Big E from the apron off onto the steel uh, onto the steel steps, which is only like a three foot drop. It's not that big a deal, but it looks awesome. Big E counters. He hits a uranage. He hits a rock bottom off the ring apron onto the steps. This looked like it sucked. Oh, this looked like it sucked. Finish this match. Big E is laid out on a table. Apollo goes to the top rope. He jumps up. He goes for a frog splash. Big E says, nope, fucker. No, he rolls off the table. Apollo puts himself through a table. And I'm going like, oh, this is going to be... I was a little annoyed because I seriously thought Big E was going to beat this fucking guy for the Intercontinental title like a sixth time. And then we're going to get into the rematch at Backlash. I was pissed. I was absolutely pissed. I'm like, do not fucking do that to us again. Surprisingly, no. Apollo goes to the table. Big E snaps up. Throws him over his shoulder. Hits the big ending. And this giant dude. Giant fucking dude. Runs into the ring. Picks up Big E in a choke slam. Now, 
This is basically, I'm assuming this is going to be like the SmackDown's Nigerian almost. Because it's the exact same thing. It's a seven-foot heater. It's it's basically Apollo Crews' seven-foot bodyguard. But he just picks Big E up, big choke slam, drags Apollo Crews' corpse over, lays it on top. One, two, three. Second new champion in, in two matches. So... Champions just started dropping like flies at this point. Next up, we have a match for the Raw. Is it the Raw Women's Title? It's Asuka, right? Yeah, the the Raw Women's Title between Asuka and challenger Rhea Ripley. Now, this is funny as hell because they fucked over Rhea Ripley so bad at last year's WrestleMania. They really did. Okay, they had this great story last year where Charlotte won the Women's Royal Rumble. Rhea was NXT Women's Champion. And Rhea kind of goaded her into, you know what? You've never, you've never beat me. You've never challenged for this title. You And starts basically just goading her into picking Rhea at WrestleMania. I really liked the way they did it because they really told this great story about how Rhea Ripley started wrestling in Australia and how she, you know, left home, moved halfway across the world to chase her dream. And it showed her first appearance in the Mae Young Classic and how she was even getting compared to Charlotte and blah, blah, blah. They told this great story. What happens? They get to Mania. They changed Rhea's look. They changed her gear. They changed her wrestling style. And guess what? They fucking beat her. Charlotte Flair beat Rhea Ripley. So this great story you were telling all the way up to Mania? Dead. They fucking killed the story dead. And of course, Triple H comes out at some... Uh, investor call, whatever. And when asked about this, he said, well, just, just wait to see how this plays out, which has become every fucking internet marks. Anytime you criticize something WWE does, they, they, they regurgitate this line back to you. Well, you know, let's just see how it turns out. Newsflash, it's WWE. It never turns out well. You know how it turned out for Rhea Ripley? They beat her for the next, like, three or four weeks and then pulled her off TV for eight months straight. That's, that's how it worked out for Rhea, okay? We didn't see Rhea. Okay, so WrestleMania comes. She loses. She gets beat by Raquel Gonzalez twice. She gets beat by Io Shirai all in a month after Mania, and then she disappears until Royal Rumble the following year. That, that's what happened. This past January was the first time we saw her. She's one of the last two in the ring with Bianca Belair. Bianca wins the Royal Rumble, and guess what happens? Rhea disappeared for another two months. So please, please don't tell me this whole, well, let's just see how it plays out. No, because inevitably they will fuck it up. That was a long rant. I'm sorry. Anyway, this year, this year was the year they made it up to Rhea Ripley. Oh, God, I can't wait. I really hope 
fucking Hunter comes out on a, on a conference call and like, see, we told you this is how it was going to play out. That's why we did what we did last year. Shut the fuck up. You forgot about Rhea Ripley. Shut up. But the story they told this year was Rhea just showed up on Raw, told Asuka, I want to wrestle you for the title. Asuka said, I accept. Rhea comes in and beats her for the title. That's, yeah, that that's pretty much how that happened. It was a good match. It wasn't a great match. It was a good match. There was, oh my God, there was a couple of spots in here where I screamed. I absolutely screamed. There are certain spots that when you see them set up, you know they're never going to do them. Remember the spot where you've got somebody outside the ring standing on the apron. You've got the opponent standing behind them, arms around their waist, and they're teasing a German suplex off of the apron to the floor. They will never hit that spot ever. You know why? Because somebody's going to die. They will tease that spot all day long, but nobody was, will ever actually hit that spot. Rhea and Asuka did a similar spot that I'm like, there's no fucking way. They're both on the apron. Rhea has her back to the ropes. Asuka has her in a front face lock, and I'm going, they are not about to do a DDT off the apron. Yep, that's what happened. DDT off the apron. Asuka dropped Rhea Ripley off the ring apron on her head on the floor. I screamed. I absolutely screamed because I just thought we watched the death of Rhea Ripley. That, yeah. Oh my god. Thankfully, she's not dead. Match goes on. This was, you know what, I'm... I'm having a hard time trying to figure out who the heel and who the face was. I mean, Asuka's always a baby. Well, not always, but majority of the time she's a baby face. Rhea was working heel in this match. But toward the end, Rhea's on her knees and Asuka just keeps kicking her in the face, kicking her in the chest, just kicking the shit out of her. And Rhea's doing the, you know, the hand gesture like, come on, bring it, bring it, keep going. Asuka hits the ropes, goes for another kick. Rhea snatches her up in a riptide. I've never seen a riptide done that smoothly before. She just hooked her up, lifted her, boom, riptide, one, two, three. And we have a third new champion in three matches. Rhea Ripley wins the Raw Women's, uh, women's title. Which brings us to our main event of the evening. This is the triple threat match for the SmackDown Universal Heavyweight Championship. We've got the champion Roman Reigns defending against the winner of the 2021 Royal Rumble Edge. And this guy Daniel Bryan that we just threw in for the hell of it. That's, that's the story they told. You know what? This hands down best match of the night. This match was off the chart great. It started out with some bullshit from Roman Reigns' little, uh, God, what is it? Main event, Jimmy Uso? Yeah. His uh, um, hype man. It's basically what Jimmy Uso is. He's basically Roman Reigns' hype man. Daniel Bryan gets thrown outside the ring. Jimmy Uso super kicks him. Edge gets tossed outside the ring. Jimmy Uso super kicks him. Daniel Bryan getting back up to his feet, catches another super kick and lather, rinse, repeat. It's just super kick, super kick, super kick, super kick. 
at one point they're they're doing the step gimmick again because we got to use the steps. Edge counters Jimmy Uso and hits a DDT, drops him on his head on the steps. Oh my god. The way Jimmy Uso took this DDT, I thought we just watched his head split open. He just spiked himself. Well, seemingly spiked himself on this DDT. It looked great. Oh my god, it looked great. So all the medics and the trainers and they lifted Jimmy Uso up and walked him to the back. Now, folks, in college, I did sports medicine. When somebody gets dropped on their head, you know what you don't do? You don't ask him to stand. That's, that's, a, that's a whole bad idea right there. But that's what they did. So you cart Jimmy Uso to the back. You know he's coming back. That's just how this shit goes. But these guys worked a fantastic triple threat match. They had, oh my God, there was, all right. So the original plan for this match was going to be Roman Reigns against Edge and they were going to market it spear versus spear. Well, ended up in a triple threat match. They can't do that shit. But these fucking guys, I swear, they both went for a spear at the same time. Car crash. Absolute car crash because these guys both ducked their heads and I swear they just collided with each other shoulder to shoulder. It looked fantastic. And what else would you do? You've got Roman doing a spear. You've got Edge who does a spear. They both go for a spear. Colli oh my God. It looked fantastic. A couple of chairs get thrown into the ring. Edge goes to grab a chair. Roman... Gets the chair away from him, but somehow the leg of the chair comes off. And Edge is just looking, because basically this is just like an 18-inch piece of metal. It's like an 18-inch metal rod. And Edge is looking at this thing in his hand, and I'm going, he's going to stab him. He's going to fucking stab Roman Reigns. <laughs> These guys start going at it, and Edge ends up with a crippler crossface on Roman Reigns, middle of the ring. That metal piece of the chair was still there, so Edge grabs it, puts it into Roman's mouth like the bit on a horse, and he's got the crossface on with this bit. I'm like, that looked like it sucked. Oh my god, that looked like it sucked. Daniel Bryan's outside the ring. He jumps back in. All right, Edge has... Roman in a crippler crossface got the left arm trapped, right? Daniel Bryan jumps in, traps Roman's right arm, puts him in the yes lock. Speaking of looking like this sucked, you have Roman on the ground. He's out of control. He's, he has no control because he can't get his hands down. Edge has one arm trapped. Daniel Bryan has the other arm trapped. They both have a, a crossface. Uh, chin lock on him and they're pulling back and it's like well the fucking guy can't tap because both of his arms are trapped he can't verbally submit because you have a metal rod stuck in his mouth you guys did not think this through did you this the spot looked great but how were you going to beat this guy what but these two guys have these holds locked in they look at each other and then edge headbutts Daniel Bryan 
Daniel Bryan, heads butts edge. These two guys just keep going back and forth, just slamming the heads into each other. Oh, this and the crowd is eating this shit up. There was a holy shit chant. And we've been living in the Thunderdome for a year. So there, there's a holy shit chant on a button in a production truck. So anytime I hear a holy shit chant, I look out in the crowd. No, there's people standing up chanting holy shit. They were loving this match. It was great. The finish of this, the finish of this match was fucking genius. Edge has Roman Reigns down. He's got Daniel Bryan down and he cut that promo. Edge cut that promo a couple weeks ago and he said, I had you both down for a concerto and I hesitated. And he promised us that if he ever has them down again, he will not hesitate. Sets up this spot in the match. Daniel Bryan's down. Roman Reigns is down. Slides a chair under Daniel Bryan's head. Hits that concerto. Bam. Slides the chair under Roman's head. Lifts up the chair to hit that one on Roman. Here comes Jimmy Uso to make the save. Because you knew he was coming back. Makes the save for Roman. Picks up the chair as he turns around to hit Edge with the chair. Edge spears the shit out of him. Edge picks up the chair and just wears Jimmy Uso's ass out. Just keeps beating the shit out of him. And it was at this point where I think the cameraman had a seizure because that camera moved up and down following that chair like 37 times. Oh my God. Edge turns around, still got the chair, catches a spear from Roman, cuts him in half. Roman slides a chair under Edge's head. Boom. Concerto on Edge. He then drags Edge's limp corpse over, drapes it over Daniel Bryan, covers them both. Referee counts one, two, three. Roman Reigns is the only champion that doesn't lose his title on this uh, on this show. So you know what? Night two started really slow, which is ironic because there was no uh, severe weather warning, but it finished really strong. This match was it that a great finish. Knight had a great finish. So that was WrestleMania, folks. Probably the last time we're going to get a two-night WrestleMania because I don't see them doing this next year in Dallas or the year after in, in L.A. But you know what? For what it was worth, two-night WrestleMania in front of, in front of what was it, 25,000 people? Oh, that's another thing. There was It was recorded that 25,000 tickets were sold. WWE made a statement that said people are going to be social distancing and masks are going to be strictly enforced. Bullshit. Bullshit. Those people were fucking on top of each other in the crowd. So here's an interesting game. How many COVID-19 cases do you think are coming out of WrestleMania? I say at least 500. I've already started a pool with a bunch of friends of mine. How many COVID cases are coming out of WrestleMania? I say at least 500. When like 1,200 came out of uh, came out of Sturgis, something like that, like 1,200 cases, something. But that was WrestleMania. So you know what? It was a good show. I enjoyed it, and uh, I hope you guys did too. 
So again, I am Greg Hernandez. I am the Ninja Nerd Warrior. You can find me on all forms of social media, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube. You can find this podcast at ninjanerdwarriorpodcast.com or you can find it on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or anywhere you get your favorite podcast from. I've still got some merch for sale at prowrestlingtees.com slash ninjanerdwarrior. And you know what? That's I believe that's all the shit I got to plug. So I hope you guys enjoyed the show. I hope you guys had a good, safe weekend, and I will talk to you next week. Bye-bye.